Ciao, Bella. I am Oceana Fortuna, and this is the Breathe, Love, and Magic podcast. We'll talk about a magical mix of mystical methods, including everything that works to live your best life, grow spiritually, and maybe find love. Open your heart, expand your mind, and connect with spirit to embrace the magic that is all around you. If you enjoy the show, please give it a thumbs up or write a glowing review and subscribe so you'll know when the next episode is available. And may good fortune come to all those who listen to the Breathe Love and Magic podcast. And now, on with the show. In today's episode of the Breathe Love and Magic podcast, I'll be talking to Rachel Astarte. She is a holistic psychotherapist, transformational life coach, author, and educator. And she is the one who wrote the book, Celebrating Solitude, How to Discover and Honor Your Highest Self. She's also the host of the podcast, Self-Talk with Rachel Astarte. Good title. Okay, so hi and welcome, Rachel. Hey, Ronnie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled that you're here. We're going to spend a good part of today talking about your book, which I have read and really enjoyed. And I'm definitely going to think about some of the elements in there and see where I can incorporate them. And I've highlighted some things that I thought would be fun to talk about. So I guess one of the things I'm curious about is, was there some defining moment or factor that shifted your focus from what you did before to becoming a transformational life coach and holistic psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. Yeah. Yes, there was actually. Uh, So I started my life out in the arts. Um, My father was a poet and a professor of poetry. My mother is an actor, is still an actor and director and writer as well. I joined the family team. And I started out as a writer and an actor most of most of my uh, adult life young. Well, started at four and five. Right. So I started writing at four, started on my first theater production. I was on stage at five. Wow. And yeah. And then I and that became it was everything I ever wanted to do. And the whole point of that was communication. I wanted to be able to reach people through the arts and as a writer, as an actor, whatever that was. However, that showed up. And I began to realize over the years that, yes, I loved writing. Yes, I loved sharing my my writing. I loved being on stage. I loved being in the film, you know, whatever it was I was doing. But I wasn't reaching enough people in the way that I wanted to. I wanted to actually do more healing work Mm. with people. My own spirituality was also blossoming somewhere, you know, in my early 20s, through my 20s and 30s. In my 40s, I started practicing shamanism. So all of these kind of elements started coming together. I became a transformational life coach, started my practice, and also a a clinical hypnotherapist started my practice in 2012. And (laughs) I began to realize that I was doing an awful lot of talking and therapeutic stuff. And there was only so much I could get into as as a life coach. And it wasn't really satisfying either. And also legally as a life coach, I wasn't allowed to do talk therapy. So 
it occurred to me that it would be really wise for me to go back and get my master's and get licensed and do it the right way so that I could incorporate everything. And that includes the writing and the, and the performing part of it too, because I do work with a lot of creative people who maybe have writer's block or, you know, that kind of thing, or are launching an artistic career and don't know how to do it. So that's where it's really beautiful to be able to wear all the different hats, right? So, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You know, it is always so interesting to hear about the spiritual journey and how that intertwines with the career. Mm-hmm. And I'm fascinated that you made this big change in 2012, which was the end of the Mayan calendar, right? That's right. That's right. Yep. And I, I knew there was going to be some major shift coming and we're still feeling it to be mm-hmm. fair. You know, it's not a sign like it's not a mark on the calendar. It's it nope. is so much as it is an energetic shift that I think we are still experiencing and I even believe like what's going on with the pandemic is, has been part of that shift for a lot of mm-hmm. people, that isolation that we all had to go through, giving us an opportunity to go inward literally and figuratively. Yeah, good point about the pandemic and your book and solitude mm-hmm, because right. so many people have mentioned that their lives shifted dramatically as a result of spending time with themselves, which they weren't used to doing. Yeah. So it may, it had a lot of people look within where they were not accustomed to that kind of thing at all. Absolutely. And and maybe even had a little bit of fear and aversion to it, Yeah, which I also address in the book. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Let's get into it for a minute. Like what is the difference between solitude and being alone or being a hermit or something Mm -hmm. like that? Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes they they do cross on the Venn diagram of the two. They do cross in some areas, but solitude is a conscious choice to remove external distractions toward regenerating your soul, you know, so that when you're doing something in solitude, meaning there are no other human beings around, there might be mm-hmm. plants and animals around you, but to really focus on your own inner being and celebrate it, learn it, get to know it, play with it and use it as a resource. Being alone is almost something that happens to you. You know what I'm saying? Uh Not a conscious choice. It's like, I'm just, there's nobody around. So now I'm alone, you know, and that can also lead to loneliness, which is a different thing entirely. Loneliness is the absence of connection and solitude is actually gaining connection when you do Although the connection is different because in solitude, you're connecting with yourself or spirit or- Right. At first, and this is also a really important part of the book, uh, so much so that it's on the on the, the back of the book blurb, which is to say solitude does not mean hermitdom. It's the opposite. It's it's one step in what your your bigger purpose on in the world is, which is you spend the time alone to get yourself right, to deal with your your inner demons and play with them and love them, but also to grow the kind of person you want to be to what end to bring it back out into the world, right? So you're not isolating. The whole point is for us to be the best people we can be so that we function in the world better with other people. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And it gives us another positive way of looking at alone time that really 
what you're talking about is as you improve yourself, you can share more with the world, which is kind of like how they talk about caregivers. You know, you have to take care of yourself before you can give, 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 give. Yeah. So, so you talk about it as recharging your batteries. Yeah. And that's really what it is. We spend so much of our lives and what you just described is a perfect example, giving, 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 whether it's to our families or our friends or our job or our community. And that's or all your you job. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Your job, your, your community, uh, whatever it is. Um, and that's beautiful. We need to do that. That's our part of how we connect with all of life around us. Yeah. But it's also really important to take that time to make sure that what we're giving is genuine. And we do that through a solitude practice, because obviously it's not the only way by spending time alone honoring who we really are, figuring out who we are and honoring who we are and letting go of all of those responsibilities for a little while allows us to give back in a more positive and more genuine way. So I, I say people who are caretakers or people who are people pleasers give and give it's like having a party and filling everyone's glass with an empty pitcher. You know, if you haven't, if you haven't filled, you're not a great host, are you, you know, so, so you need to refill your pitcher and that's what alone time can do. Yeah. Great. So let's talk about that alone time. Is it just meditation or how do you define that solitude and what would recharge people's batteries? Well, that's the beautiful thing about this practice is that you get to decide what that is. The only requirement is that it gives you joy and that it gives yeah. you a sense of connection with yourself. So I tell people two minutes to two hours a day. Oh, that's every, a wide window. Yeah. The, the busiest CEO in the world has two minutes to just sit and breathe to just gather themselves to themselves before they go about their crazy day. So if you could do two minutes a day, great. If you could do two hours, great. If you get the time to go on retreat for two days, great. You know what I mean? Whatever works yeah. for you. But if you, you make some kind of commitment to it, a minimum every day, it will be helpful. So yes, if you have two minutes, probably a nice dropping into your body, taking some long, slow, deep breaths, feeling, not trying to change anything, just be witness to and present in your body for two minutes. That does a lot of good, right? Oh, great. And if you have more time, then you can get a little more creative. Maybe part of it is starting out with that breath and then you do some knitting or you put on Bob Marley and dance around the kitchen, which is what I like to do, you know, or, <laughs> or, you know, or you take a walk or you take a bath or you spend time journaling or doing something that is, whatever it is that gives you joy about yourself. Now I said earlier, you know, facing your demons. Well, a lot of people don't want to spend time alone because they don't want to be quote unquote alone with their thoughts. Yes. One of the things we have to realize is that no thought that we have is who we are, right? So mm -hmm. when you are having disturbing thoughts or, or feeling of, I don't like my life the way it is. It's beautiful to just sit with those thoughts as though you're having them over for tea, like a friend, you know, you don't have to be caught up in the negativity that might be going through your mind. That's there to ask you to maybe shift it. 
So that's a great opportunity in your solitude practice to say, what isn't really working in my life? And we certainly had a lot of time to do that during lockdown, right? So oh, many yeah. people shifting their careers or beginning or ending relationships or getting closer with their children in a way that they didn't have the opportunity to do. But the idea is to do this on your own because you are your best resource. There's one thing that's absolutely certain, which is that we are born alone and we die alone. This is right. our journey. So really becoming your own best friend is the best thing that you can do for yourself and for everyone else you encounter. That makes total sense to me. You do need to rely on yourself. And so when you spend that time with yourself, you get to know yourself better. And I, one of the things you said that I loved, you know, I've, I've been a love and dating coach for 20 years. So here's my favorite quote coming from that perspective. Mm -hmm. The amount of time primping that you do for a date is directly proportional to how badly you'll feel if things don't work out. Now, I could not agree more with that self, <laughs> with that. I think it's so true. Now, if you're just doing it for yourself so that you feel good right. about yourself, that's a little different. Yeah. But if you're trying to make yourself the best you can be only to please somebody you haven't even met yet, right? that's where the danger comes in. So that's why I love this because I remember I had a client who said, um, you know, I spent all day getting ready for this date and I went and had my hair done. I had it blown out and then I had my nails done. I did this. I bought a new app and then I go on this date and the guy was so boring and da, 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 da. And they, you know, and I'm like, well, is it possible your investment in time and money was overstated for the value of the date. Of course right. you're disappointed. You know, you spent your whole day on what turned into a one boring hour. So, exactly. you know, I think that yeah. is such a point well taken, but yeah. where else does that apply? Because I think that is such a clear concept as mm. it applies to dating, but where else might that apply? Anywhere, anywhere. What are you doing and who are you doing it for? You know, what are you doing in your life? So if we, and, and this, this speaks to the people pleasing aspect, okay, right. Or doing things you, your heart is telling you, you don't want to do. And it could be something as simple as someone's having a party and you'd really just rather stay at home in your jammies and, and watch, you know, squid game or whatever is hot when this podcast comes out, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, it changes all the time, Yeah, but whatever it is that you want to just kind of chill, you've had a long yes. week, but oh, what will my friends think? Or maybe if I just push myself, I'll go have a good time. Once I get there, I'll be fine. And you're giving, doing your head trip on yourself and you're not listening to your needs. So if you do that, maybe, the, maybe you do go and have a good time, but over time you start to feel energetically diminished because you've been sapping your energy to please other people. Other people. Right. And, and the yeah. thing with dating, you know, absolutely that. Yeah, that's very clear cut. And I'm trust me, I've, I've been where your client was a few times in my 30s when I was in New York trying to date, which is an impossible. It should be an Olympic event. Honestly, um, <laughs> it's impossible. You're doing this to please someone else rather than listening to yourself. You know, so I'm not yeah. saying yeah. never yeah. go out. I'm not saying yeah. go, go to every date in your pajamas. But, but as you said earlier, are, you know, if you're doing this because it makes you feel good, you know, I know how I like to look when I go out. That's for me. Yes. 
you know, and speaking to the dating part, isn't it better to be honest about who you are on day one? Right. Right. Yeah. So they, and if they don't like it, then good. You've saved yourself days, weeks, months, years of hassle. Well, I think there's a fine line between this is who I am, take it or leave it. And this is the best I can be. I'm happy with it. You know what I mean? Like there's a little bit, because I've also encountered a lot of women who are like, I'm not wearing any makeup and I'm not doing anything fancy. And why do I have to do anything fancy for him and whatever? And I'm thinking you're already in a hole. Like, Well, it depends on what they're looking for. You know, if they are not comfortable wearing makeup, then they need a partner who's going to accept them without makeup, period. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. And every woman doesn't have to wear makeup. I just think that if you're open to makeup, it can help. I don't think you need a lot either, but a little on your eyelashes and a little on your lips, I think can go a long way. And sometimes people reconnect with feeling pretty when they do that. But you're right. It's makeup isn't for everyone. I'm just talking about your best presentation. Yes. That's what I'm saying. Don't show up in your pajamas, right? Take a shower. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Do something that says that you're interested. Yes. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing I loved in that chapter was plan an after hours date with yourself. Oh my gosh. What an amazing concept. And you know, one of the books I never wrote, because there's only so many you can really put yourself into is about dating yourself. And this would be in, I love this idea because if you're doing a lot of dating and you're just at the start where you're meeting people and you're having coffee or whatever you're doing, a date with yourself after, oh my gosh, what a beautiful Mm -hmm. idea. Whether that's, you know, coloring in a mandala coloring book or, you know, whatever, doing art journaling or meditating or just journaling, whatever it is, you know, I love that idea it's kind of decompressing after the experience. So I and that, that also was- counts. That counts as your solitude practice as well yeah. for the day, you yeah. know, because you're doing something that gives you joy. The reason for that as a therapist and concurrently as a as life coach who also deals with people who are struggling with relationships or, or finding or getting one or di- the dating world, knowing that you have a date with yourself after puts you first in terms yeah. of, of putting that oxygen mask on yourself first so that you're not, you know, trying to please the date. It also puts you on a time limit so that you're not lingering, waiting. Yeah. Is he going to, yeah. or is she going to, are they going to ask yeah. me to go somewhere else? Am I, are we going back to the apartment? Are we going to yeah. get another drink? You have a time, you know, and I learned this from a girlfriend of mine early when she, when we were both younger and dating in the city. And she said, I always have a curfew for myself. And I thought, well, that's great, but then that's kind of depressing. So I want to do something fun after that. (laughs) So, so that's the date with myself. So I would always plan after a date that like by 10 o'clock, I know what movie I'm going to, I'm a big Bollywood fan. So I'd be like, okay, I know what Bollywood film I'm going to watch. I'm going to get my, you know, glass of wine and, and sit there and enjoy myself. And I, it got to the point where even during the date, I would get excited about going home and watching my Bollywood or whatever it was. That's really funny. And that changes your energy too, because that then doesn't make you clingy during the, during the meet. 
Well, you have something to look forward to after. And so for people who also struggle about first dates and feel uncomfortable or whatever, this is actually also a reward system. You know, like if you yeah. need to be rewarding yourself for going on a date, this mm-hmm. is a great way. I love that. So that's a great way of turning any negativeness about loneliness around is mm-hmm. making it something you look forward to. Any other thoughts on how do you turn that around that and make aloneness positive? Remember why you're doing it is really helpful. You know, remember you're not doing this just for yourself. This is not a selfish act. It's a self-ish act, you know, sort of self act because you're, you are, you're doing this in order to be the best person you can be out in the world. So it's not just for your benefit. It's for everyone. So when you have aloneness and you become, you're, you know, you're, you're getting to know if in fact you're dating yourself. I talk about sex and solitude as well in the book. And when you're dating yourself or befriending yourself and really, you know, investing in that relationship, you always have someone you can come home to. You always have someone that will be there for you for your whole life. So that's a bonus, right? You don't have to lean on yeah. someone else to approve of you or validate you. Or love you. Or, or love you because you're loving yourself and why not? But that doesn't mean we shouldn't look for love or, or find love right. or accept love right. out there. But it has to come from within first. And we've heard that so many times. You know, you can't love anyone else until you love yourself. Love yourself. Have you seen a difference in people's confidence or self-confidence as they learn to honor themselves with this alone time? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, what happens is essentially what I just said, you know, uh, I'll start with someone who really doesn't want to spend a lot of time alone is, is very much looking for external validation, which is part of childhood wounding, not getting what you needed as a child. So from your parents. And so you look outside of yourself for that kind of love me and validation and acceptance. When you spend enough time by yourself and begin to play and enjoy and accept the dark and the light in yourself, it makes everything so much easier. So I've seen the the way that it really manifests in patients is that they stop expecting others to validate their their lives. And so that might look like drawing healthier boundaries, uh, ah. not, being, not being afraid to say what they need. Like, I'm really not gonna go to that party tonight because I just wanna put my feet up and watch TV and yeah. not being worried that your friend is going to abandon you for that choice, Yeah. right? And if they do, then you know that's not the right friend for you. That takes guts, that takes strength, that takes that foundation of self. So when you are getting to know yourself better through solitude practice or just even doing the internal work of, of developing yourself, what others do is really more about them than it is about you. Yeah, because you get to see the connection between honoring yourself through your alone time and honoring yourself as you have interactions in the external world and, you know, being able to trust yourself and know that you're doing the right thing for you, you know, that makes a big difference, I'm sure. Yeah. And there's no, you know, it really also eliminates that ambivalence, you know, it, it, to be able to say like, no, this is how I feel and I'm okay with that. It makes interactions with other people so much easier. Yeah. And what happens when we go without some alone time or time for the self? 
you know, this is what turns into like the big meltdown. Yeah, well, it could. I mean, I think everyone listening and yourself included probably already knows the answer to that question, right? What happens when we don't take care of ourselves, when we don't honor our true nature, we end up burning out, you know, is one of the things that happens. Compassion fatigue. Compassion fatigue, yeah. Yeah, that's a clear indication of not spending enough time being with your true self because you wouldn't allow yourself to get into that position otherwise. Again, that's that external validation. Yeah. My life isn't as important as everyone else's. So if I'm there for them, that makes me a good person. And you go and you go and you go, and then you've got nothing, your battery is depleted. Yeah. That's, that's really the, what, what generally happens is it's a burnout or, uh, you know, in, in the other direction, there's bottled up resentment that comes out as rage or explosive anger or addiction. There's some kind of pain you can't put your finger on. So you drink it away, you eat it away, you porn it away, you whatever you do to to avoid the the misalignment in yourself. Do you have any story, any like client stories that you'd be free to tell or situational things where you saw a big change as someone finally decided to try this practice and even if they started small to really honor themselves and get to know that the spirit within them, their holy self, as you talk about it. And do you have a story like that to share? Yeah, there were, there are a few of them. I remember one very early on, very recently after I'd written the book, I was working with a woman who was a very devoted wife and mother, had a great job. And, you know, on the outside, her life looked really good, but she was coming to me severely depressed. And we were talking about what's missing, what's missing in your life. And, and she said, well, you know, I've always wanted to do jewelry. I've wanted to do something creative with my life, but I just, I don't have the time. I don't have the time. So we said, well, let's try like maybe a little bit, like just five minutes, you know, and just get the stuff and put it over there and maybe tinker here and there. Well, over time, she would increase that time, you know, a little bit, a little bit to the extent that she looked forward to doing it and would schedule her time around doing the thing that was important for her. Her jewelry, you know, among her friends and, and family became like a really big hit. You know, she would give them away as gifts, I'm assuming. And I think she even sold some of them, but it's been quite a few years. So I'm not sure what actually happened with it. But what I saw in her was a great opening of herself. She was happier. She had more energy, even though she was actually adding to her schedule. You see what I'm saying? So, well, because, you know, she felt more fulfilled probably as a result of doing something that was her passion that gave her time with herself. That was a creative outlet and all of that. You know, when you make yourself happy, then like we said, you have more energy for other people's I run a manifesting group. I call it the manifesting power hour because we only get together for an hour. (laughs) And that's what the women in the group have really been finding that the more that they manifest things for themselves, the more energy they have as well for other people. And so we've come to see that manifesting things for yourself actually helps everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's exactly it's, it. It's a similar, it's a very similar concept 
because it's just a different way of look. We're not doing it necessarily in solitude, but we're, you know, working on creating what we want in life. So, you know, I loved what you talked about and you mentioned it a little bit earlier without a name, micro meditation. Oh my gosh. I think this is rocket science, (laughs) you know, micro meditation, because so many people that they don't want to do the typical transcendental meditation and twice a day for 20 minutes and and like, I don't have time for that. And you know, I could really see how some people wouldn't have time for that. Even if I had time for that, I know I wouldn't do it. So, <laughs> but two minutes of micro meditation or whatever it is, I love that. So how would you feel about doing two minutes of micro meditation right now with us? Absolutely. And then we'll go on from there. Yeah. You want to lead us through that? I will lead you Please. through it. So the two minutes really begins after you've set yourself up which is really brief. So first thing you do, close your eyes, get comfortable. First of all, sit in a place that's comfortable for you and sitting up straight so that your spine is straight. And the reason we do that is because, you know, the energy flows better that way. Tilt your chin down a little bit, open up the back of your neck, right? So you, you're either sitting half Lotus or with your feet on the floor and that's fine. So you just begin by feeling your feet, just be aware of your feet. And that grounds you to this moment. And then relaxing into your body a bit. And then we'll just start with, we'll do three, three long, slow, deep breaths. So we inhale through the nose as much as your lungs can fill. Hold for three seconds. And then exhale through the nose, through the nose, kundalini breathing, through the nose until you can't push out any more CO2. And then again, in through the nose. Hold for three seconds and exhale as much as you can push out. And then one more time in through the nose. Hold for three seconds and exhale. And as you exhale, just begin to be aware of your body, not trying to change anything, not trying to shift anything, just check in and we'll start the two minutes. So we're just relaxing and feeling our energy and noticing and thoughts may come up and we don't need to be attached to them. Mm -hmm. And then how do you wrap that up? Well, usually I would, once the two minutes is over again, another long, slow, deep breath in through the nose, hold for three seconds, exhale and open your eyes. The real trick then is try to stay in that state. So it's like, oh, meditation's over, dang, you know, no, try to try to stay connected to your body. It's hard, you know, and of course we get distracted very easily, but holding on to it as long as you can allows you to bring yourself back to that connection to, to yourself. Yeah. Hmm. So you could even check in with yourself during the day, probably like taking two or three deep breaths would 
probably bring you back through that muscle memory idea or even just feeling your feet you know especially especially if you are in a stressful situation i've had patients for example who have to make a, a difficult phone call to their mother or their father or, or you know some conflictual thing is about to happen and i always say when you're on the phone feel your feet feel your feet stay here right so it really helps to ground you and yeah and, that's and a great tip mm-hmm. yeah Rachel, this has been so wonderful. Is there any other piece of wisdom that you want to impart before we tell people how to get in touch? Yeah, absolutely. Don't forget how powerful you are, that you are Mm. here for a purpose. In the book, I say, creation is not in the business of making things that fail. And that includes you. Nice. You're here. You're here for a purpose. And the game is figure out what that is and, and rock it. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. so in, enjoy this journey and get getting to know yourself is a beautiful way to give thanks for your presence here. Yeah, that's really nice. You know, it's so interesting that you say that because I have a friend and we um, get together every so often and we meditate and ask for guidance. And, and so we keep hearing the same thing, which is, find a way to enjoy yourself, (laughs) find a way to, you know, find a way to enjoy the journey and enjoy life. And it's so funny to hear it over and over again. And, you know, I don't know why, but we need to be reminded. So thank you for doing that. Thank you. My pleasure. Yeah. And so let's tell people how they can get in touch. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I can be reached at rachelastartetherapy.com. I'll put that in the show notes too. Yeah. You can access my podcast from there as well. Oh, great. uh, but you can also access it at selftalkpodcast.com. Talkpodcast.com. Excellent. Okay. Book Celebrating Solitude is on Amazon. So not, not too difficult Perfect. to find. And it's, it's a great read. I think it's the kind of thing that I could easily see myself going back to at different points because it just has this nice pace about it. I really, I just enjoyed it so much. Rachel, absolutely a pleasure. Thank you so much for sharing your ideas about solitude today and celebrating solitude. I think that's the most important piece. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ronnie. It was lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget to like this episode if you enjoyed it. Write a positive review if you feel inspired and subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'll have more about love and magic next time. Until then, this is Oceana Fortuna reminding you to share your love and seek magic every day.